25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Werewolf the Apocalypse, a review podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new year. It is 2024 and this is Subsidiaries, a guide to Pentex in this episode. I got with me, Mike. How we doing? Pretty good, pretty good. And we're going to tackle, folks, a, a book that we, uh, well, it's more or less well known because the fact that the subsidiaries have been mentioned like through Book of the Worm and things of that nature. What we're going to attempt to do here is get a little more talkative about these specific subsidiaries uh, that they mentioned in this book. We're not looking to shoot too long. We're just looking to be long enough to give you an idea of what the book's about and whether or not you should be operating with the book. And I think it's that simple. Going forward, we're going to start off the bat with Enron. Now, <laughs> now I don't know about you, Mike. Uh, well, I should explain. Enron is a company that in the world of darkness is, uh, well, it's an oil company. It's that simple. There's, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. It's a very delicious way of putting it to, the, to, to, a, to that themselves. Enron is a company that uh, its role in the world of darkness It's basically to be the, well, they gut the earth. I'm just saying what it is. They gut the <laughs> earth for resources while not giving a damn about the consequences, right? That's taken from the book to explain exactly what Enron is doing uh, in the wide facing, right? But what we want to look at is the fact that if it's doing that, what's what's it doing it for? How's it gaining it? Well, in simple terms, because we've mentioned before, I'll just give you a refresher. Um, the worm is insidious, and Pentex is the super worm company behind everything. Endron is one of one of many of its subsidiaries, and it's number one. It's first. And it being an oil company, well, it does what you think it does. It's big oil. It's to get out there worldwide, it's to get their name out there first and foremost. And they're about making billions with collateral damage. Like, that's a goal for Enron. If we're able to pull billions and billions of gallons of oil out of the bottom of the ocean, that's great, as long as we can leak a little. <laughs> we're, looking, we're looking to leak little a little. Extra. Just, little extra. Little extra. <laughs> if we got if we got to frack anything to get to get that mine going and getting uh, more stuff out of it, yeah, we'll do that too. Um, but what we're looking to do is to be legally untouchable while we do it. And it's to establish an international reach with worldwide consequences. In other words, with. That's the part that's going to throw a lot of people. You would think a big company doesn't want the, the side effects that can come with being a big company. Like, if you, Mike, personally ever thought about what it would be like, the pressure of being part of a big oil company and that you're always taking these huge shipments of oil tankers across the Gulf and then bringing it into to your home shores, your selling market, so you could process it to like that that lofted gasoline, but then think to yourself, it must take however many months it does to get across the ocean. And what if something happens? Cause we can't predict the weather. Yeah. I mean, rogue waves, right? Pirates, uh, random, uh, natural disasters or weather events, just any little thing could be a, a seven, seven, eight figure, uh, mistake out of nowhere. And it's just nothing you can do. <laughs> and And now, put in your head something we've been told since we were kids like you and i we, we grew up through um like the exxon valdez heard about it at least if not grown up through it um, depending on how old you are <clears throat> and uh and, and whatnot and then they had the gulf of mexico oil problem spill that they still were dealing with you know you still heard stuff about it where it's done irreparable damage to the environment and they even chose the artwork to me that was reminiscent of the videos they shot in the news relating to it where it shows a like a pristine uh employee wearing all the and you know all the garb and and for I believe it was this was a it wasn't bpmco at the time i think it was just amco 
the for, uh, which, which came in, first. in the Gulf? Yeah. It was, it was definitely BP. I don't know if Amco okay, was yeah, there, but, yeah. but BP yeah, took B- that on the chin. Yeah. Well, B- well BP Amco is, is the great merger. Okay. 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 Re- mm-hmm. Really, we call it a buyout. You know, BP, a British Petroleum, well, what this insidious company does, right? Let's talk about BP a second. As bad as, <laughs> as, bad as Enron is, I need to let you know that it's the reason why I mentioned British Petroleum is because it is the quintessential vision I always get. Whenever I read about Enron, you, you can't be. It's the gold standard of what uh, any any gas company wants you to believe where you pump your gas. Their stations are super clean. They always got cutting edge. They always have marketed employees look amazing. They, they seem to be less stressed and everything's great. BP is everything clean and it's for you. Middle America. Enjoy. We made it for you. That's what BP Amico positions itself to the world. But interesting why we had the Amico part is because in the States, we knew it as Amico. Mm-hmm. Had this weird red and blue shell like whatever the hell it was emblem it had, and it was just a normal gas station like any other. It competed with the actual shell and whatever else was out there. You really didn't care to know about Amco until BP came along and bought it out. And when they did that, well, um, I, sh- <clears throat> I should call it a merger. They just stopped using the <laughs> Amco brand, right? That's as they would say it. But the simple fact is, they had to clean up their image because BP had well, well, first they were accused of making mass profit. Which I didn't know was an illegal thing. I mean, well, that's what they're here for, right? Like that's that's the goal. Mm. <laughs> there is an actual, believe it or not, when we say soulless corporate shilling, you know, and all these terms of like they've gone too far, greed is unchecked. You have to remember there are nations that agree with you. Mm-hmm. There are governments mm-hmm. and banks who are like, yeah, too much money for one group is too much money. You can't do that. And the reason why you can't do that is because you threaten the global market when you do mm-hmm. that. So. Several times, BP has been nearly brought up, well, actually successfully brought up on charges, but they beat it in court. And uh, it was to say that they made too much money. We're talking triple profits they were making unchecked. So much so, let me give you a little factoid that I dug up looking at looking at this to see. Maybe I'm just being unfair. Maybe old Bob's just you know on a tear and needs to chill out a minute. I found this out. It's that, uh, let's see, this is in 20, 2021. Or no, 2022. It says that the last year the oil company BP made more money in two minutes than than a middling British family makes in a year. The company made 9.5 billion profit in euros in 2021. That's Oof. 19, or excuse me, that's 18,000 euros per minute. At that's the same crazy. time, the latest figures show that PP pays no tax on its North Sea oil and gas business instead of the UK Treasury. Instead, the UK Treasury actually pays BP a subsidy of 35 million euro. That's crazy. What does that say? It means that they have a system of generous tax breaks that PP has paid no tax on its North Sea business. In fact, its effective tax rate is a whopping minus 54% yearly and slated <laughs> to get even higher. Uh, that's facts and figures brought through a company called Uplift, which is a climate group. Their, their job is to spot giants like these and bring awareness to what they actually have going on and what they're doing. And that's uh, an article they had there that I peeped at and was like, shit, that alone explains the evil of this corporation. And that's in real life. <laughs> that's in real life. Now, the, the artist that came up with the idea of Enron somehow made it worse. <laughs> yeah, yes, they did. So I want that to sit with everybody for a second. So this is a subsidiary of Pentex, which means Enron isn't the apex. There's something worse 
than Enron that sits as the mother company. And that and that Pentex mother company said, yes, they'll do. <laughs> that's that's Enron being number one. Now, why Enron though? Why the focus of Enron is the question. And Mike, what makes you think of that? Like, despite the fact that I drop, why do you think an oil company leads the charge for what uh, what Pentex is looking for? Well, because this is werewolf, right? You, and, and as a, as an aside, if you'll allow me a diversion for a moment, this book does a very good job of making you forget that you are reading a werewolf book until it comes back to a moment where it needs to call out BSDs, Hikaru, or, oh, by the way, here's why the werewolf should care. All of these details about Enron that they give are really just helping you paint a picture in your mind of how despicable they are. Um, but to your question, the book gives very detailed descriptions about the company's processes for recklessly. Well, I shouldn't say recklessly because recklessly implies it's not on purpose. Um, brutally invading the earth for its resources, in some cases with knowledge of permanent damage that their processes will do. Mm. Right. They situate, for example, their uh, uh, um, energy plants, right? Their, their nuclear energy plants in sites where if a meltdown ever were to happen, <laughs> the core that melts through the floor of the facility would find its resting place in an aquifer and poison the water for many, many miles around, right? So it's like if you take all of the accidents that an oil energy company might have just trying to make money and then turn that dial up a bit because it's built in. It's part of their business plan to be that way. That's Indra. And it's, it's poison. It's, it's the antithesis of everything Nagaru are supposed to be doing for earth. So I like how you bring that up uh, about looking at that from the guru perspective. It is werewolf. Why is the book written the way it is? I think it's answers in the title. It's subsidiaries, a guide mm. to Pentax. Yeah. Right? That's that's how that works. What it means is this is supposed to be the public facing. This is how the world of darkness sees these companies. They don't see Pentax. They see the subsidiaries. Mm-hmm. And what are those and what do they look like? And and it even includes Guru and how they might encounter and see what this is. But it will not give you a guide of scenarios, a list of scenarios that says to fight Enron the best way. Here's what you do. <laughs> and then here's yeah. the story. It doesn't do that. What it's trying to do is say Enron is environmental and they're global. Their reach yeah. is astounding. And they want to give you insight into what it does and what it's about. So based on that, we have to look at uh, an obvious, well, obvious, not trope, but an obvious point of the book that Enron, well, what's oil? What is actually oil? Uh, the remains of ancient carbon-based beings that died and were turned into gooey energy juice by time and pressure. So, folks, that right there with the spirituality of werewolf uh, and werewolf the apocalypse, you have to see that the sites that they're going after have a spiritual significance. Like, how hard would it be to actually translate and say, how many of those are Cairns dead and gone and forgotten about? And you could see that, right? For, for the Gru, if, the, if werewolves were real, I'm going to tap you here, and you looked at that. You would have to see that every oil site they went to, why are all the animal bones condensing there? What is the significant point of that? And in the construction of a cairn itself, which cairns place some power outlines in other places, there got to be echoes of mm-hmm. what stopped there and walked there in ancestral spirits. So there's a lot of story right there already 
as to why Guru might take interest in it or shapeshifters. Let's just say shapeshifters. Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. I like about this book is it takes the Guru out of it. It mm-hmm. says shapeshifters. This affects all of them. These subsidiaries are enemy to all and everything, as as Pentex wants, because that's what Pentex do. So in understanding that, there's the spiritual threat. But they go, that's a gimme. That's way too big for your player characters to swallow. That's something too massive for you to deal with. But what would Enron look like in the world? And they carve into that. Do you have an idea, Mike, what an oil company looks like from the top down? Uh, beyond a pyramid, not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Took me a minute. And, and thankfully, I didn't know either. This book does a good job of pointing it out. And in fact, don't bore yourself by doing more research like I tend to do because they more than did their homework. But Enron, as they are seen in the world, has a uh, they're, they're, they're a petrol company, right? Number one in the world. Nobody beats Enron uh, in oil. Now, this just means that they're a big company that's big in, ex- in the exploration, the pumping, transportation and refinement of oil. I didn't say gas. I said oil. They're going to find where this oil deposits are. They're going to explore the world to do it. They're going to get in there and, and well, not in exploring it. They ain't got to deal with the bureaucracy of another country having it, right? They're worldwide, but they want that oil. So what's it going to take and what are they going to do? And uh, this book gets into it. <laughs> and, and, what, and what they do is win. That's what they do. They win. And we'll get to that a little bit. Uh, the pumping of it. Now that we got it, we got access to it. Let's get it out of there. And they're world renowned in the technology to do that because um, they don't want a single drop to be lost unless they want that loss. Then they have the transportation of it, and you would think pumping it out would be the same as transporting it. It's not. It takes a whole fleet of different engineers to do the pumping, and then it takes the yokels to transport it out. And then you have the refinement of the oil into other things, like we know as gasoline. That's just what they do in oil, and that alone makes them like a trillion dollar profit. That's, that's amazing amounts of money that they make from it. However, they don't stop there. Because what good greedy corp would. <laughs> and they translate this down to say what you would face, what the player characters would come across uh, more frequently is the front facing consumer end. And that's the distribution of that gasoline from the oil biz. And it looks like trucking operations, right? We mm-hmm. see the oil mm-hmm. or the gas tankers going to other uh, individual franchise gas stations to pump and fill up their tanks. Then you have the franchise gas stations themselves that have, of course, their own company operating Benny Marts located at, its, at their gas stations. And then it's the fact that 60% of its stations are self-operated, which is unheard of. Most of your gas companies, like, um, what, are, what are some? I, we were naming some earlier, and I can't think of a single. No, Shell, year. Chevron, Arco. Shell, and Sh- you got it. Those are franchises, yeah. which means that you know a business owner, an entrepreneur, contacts the company and says, I want to use your branding to sell gas and they go thumbs up and then you invest in Minimart. What, it, what incidentals can I have out there for people to buy as mm-hmm. they're using the gas that the company's offering and sort of a joint venture that way. And they do that. And that's normally what you see there. A 60% market share that's self-operated, unheard of. Like you got to be making bank to do that. And Ron has a reason for that. Now, you may be thinking, Bob, what's the reason? Does it say that in the book? Nope, because it's implied left and right. <laughs> it's to do what the worm do. And that's yeah. nothing in this case. Enron, once it's world, once you are front facing in a store using Enron products, doing Enron business, pumping Enron's gas, eating an Enron hot dog, and your kids are choosing Enron nachos for the road, and, and you got your Enron refillable 42-ounce road monster drink <laughs> for wherever you're going, they, they've already done their job. They're earning their money. And you're doing something that Enron spends 
the final amount of its money in and run marketing. Yeah, That's where they get merchandising, sponsorships, donations. That's how the world sees Enron and that gets out there. And you're thinking to yourself, why would the werewolves give a shit about this? And the answer is very, very simple. Um, the scenarios they give for Enron isn't what you think. For instance, you could be having a series of disappearances in a, in a, in a local area, not understanding what's going on with that or what's happening. And as your players investigate, they slowly start keep looking at this Enron gas station. And they go to check out said gas station. And they see it operates normal. It seems to be fine. Everybody in is there. And there's no sign of worm taint. How is that possible? Now, all your players out of game been listening to you. There's always a player at the table that does this. There's the whodunit player, and he knows everything about Werf. And they go, Enron is a subsidiary of Pentex. <laughs> we know the gas stations. Okay, Bob, the gas stations. Okay, it's there. The monster's there. And Bob, the ST with his poker face goes, okay, we'll find it. I mean, the night manager's there, uh, Christina. She's doing her best to find a replacement shift. Seems Greg's sick again. And Greg frequently gets sick when Slipknot comes to town. Seems to be a pattern. And, you know, he doesn't <laughs> want to be stuck in a gas station when a concert's going on. So she's got to cover the shift herself or find someone else to do it. She doesn't want to be called the iron bitch. She's called behind her back. But she's looking for that promotion. She's got a chance to go corporate. So she's pulling that shift. What do you werewolf packs want to do? Uh, uh, and now your players are in a conundrum out of game. Because <laughs> Sense Worm's the bane. It's the bane button. Right? If we <laughs> see Sense Worm, Kronos. <laughs> and let's go attack that but, but you don't see it but bob what could be the plot well what could be the plot and i'm going to say in this little scenario it is and it's very insidious has everything to do with the fact that this gas station's here but what you don't understand is that there's someone whose property the gas station is on there's an old guy it's crippled who wasn't going to sell the gas station for anything and and, and enron came around and offered him a, a grand deal they have a magadon product that they sold him to help him in his condition that would take away his pain. It would help him be better in his golden years, and all he has to do is sign the dotted line for the property rights, and he'll be paid an astronomical sum along with getting the pills he needs to take care of what goes on. And that's what they did is they gave him that. And this guy suffers bliss. He's never slept without pain forever in a night. He gets to walk around during the day, play with his grandkids again. It's a glorious life. But what he doesn't know is that when he sleeps, the bane wakes up. And when, the, and when the Bane wakes up, it goes out and it mauls somebody or some animal or something, but never in the area of the gas station. And so the disappearance that happened is technically within a 10, 20 mile radius of that gas station. But there are a lot of gas stations that are Enron owned or Enron connected that are in that area. And that's not a shocker in this world. So what do we do? That's all we have to go on. The players are going to have to dig deep to find this one. And it's not going to be easy. And this book highlights. That's a difficulty. Is players understanding how deep a subsidiary can hide what it does mm -hmm. and that a lot of what it's doing isn't direct. It's incidental. It's collateral damage. Right. And, and that's just a mild off the top of my head scenario you can give. But that's not to trick your players. It's to slowly because remember, a good storyteller leads the players to further plot if the players draw up a blank. So the storytellers have to do a lot to write how. I don't know if you got to leave the, the old man's address, <laughs> maybe a pay stub or something like that, that shows like somehow he was paneled and check, whatever you want, whatever you got to do, um, suit yourself in that. But you got to, you know, lead to him to see what's going on. And then you got to understand, well, is this gas station to blame? 
And you want to say yes. I want to tell you yes. I'm going to say, hell yes, it is. But then if you hear this, you begin to understand the complexity that they want to add to the fact that Enron is an untouchable company. Untouchable. Even if your players hulk up and destroy that gas station and the people who work there, they'll just rebuild it. Right. And now your the, players the, have an APB out. <laughs> right. And there's another one later on or, you know, the, the you know, the, all that stuff is, is, is what it is. That's that's the complication to it. And that's how Enron likes it. But, Mike, where I say BP Amico is a close representative to it, do you think of another gas station that might have an even worse rep? Um, well, you, you already mentioned Exxon, right? They're just, they're notorious. It's number one for the actual spill and number two for Waterworld. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, worse than, worse than BP. There was, there's one that did something super shady with the Nigerian government that I can't recall, but it's, it's not coming back to me, but yeah, yes. So, so BP, I would say BP has at least tried to preserve its public image and it is not viewed as being dis- as despicable as you know oil companies can be in general <laughs> well, well what i gotta tell you is that bp has spent a lot of money and it's, it's they'd be happy to hear that their their marketing and new new branding worked on you yeah yeah i'm not even lying about that there's it certainly uh, did. <laughs> it's a uh, it, it it worked on me to know that there used to be Abaco, and i was like wait a second he's Wait a minute, they got they own Amico? It's like, yeah, those used to be the dirtiest, grimiest, like danger-ridden places in the city. But now BP is green, neon green, and neon yellow, or green and neon yellow, and safe and clean and nice. And right, then to read right. this book where they went, that's exactly how Enron wants it. <laughs> you come in here, it, and hey, a place that clean, gotta have bad. gasoline that works. Right, right. Couldn't be. Couldn't be. Who spends that much time sweeping the floor outside the gas pump? If they're going to give me trash product. (laughs) If that's just one subsidiary, what's Megadon? Um, Okay, so Megadon is like this titanic entity that is, it's part like Pfizer, but it's also part like Hydra? (laughs) Maybe not Hydra, but like maybe... Like the way the Russian government is depicted in Rocky, where they like have all of these boutique chemicals that make <laughs> Avon Drago into this monster. But Magadon always packages it as this super clean, good, pushing the boundary of humanity through science and health, and it'll be affordable. And the, you, you just can't find anything nefarious um, in the effects of their products. Or in their marketing, you can't find any evil that they've done. They're blameless. They they don't have Martin Screlly's at Magadon. Well, well, Mike, I happen to have received a mission statement from Magadon within the 30 seconds of opening up this chapter. And they wanted me to know their mission exact. And, and they said what their mission statement is, is Magadon Incorporated is a leading provider of pharmaceutical products and services. Magadon originates, develops, and propagates a wide spectrum of cutting edge techniques and products to improve the human condition. Mm-hmm, Our mm-hmm. mission, mm-hmm. the mission of Maganon is fourfold to provide human society with services and products that improve the quality of life through promoting better health and personal satisfaction to provide our employees with self-affirming tasks, generous rewards, and self-determined opportunities for advancement 
to provide our investors with the best possible rate of return on their holdings, to provide the scientific community with continual advance in biomedical knowledge, both pure and applied. Boy, how does this sound like a good corporation? Mm-hmm. I, I hear nothing. I hear no nothing and no problems. All good. I mean, this corporation has their own S&M department. <laughs> S&M. Sales and marketing. Uh-huh. What were you thinking? Uh, sales and marketing. Of course. Right. Of course. Of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> why you have that humorous pause in your voice when I said S&M or anybody might have been, wait a second. Is <laughs> is because you're not you're not too far off. Um, their sales and marketing team like to have fun. <laughs> and and what's a little dungeon work in between work sessions, right? It's just how it goes. That that could be fun. Um, it could also be the fact that their marketing team goes out of their way to show super fit men and women mm-hmm. the apex of what the human body can become. And I also like the artwork for this. That's what they would shoot with the graphics. They don't show you is the weird pump that goes into the woman's leg that's removing or adding whatever's needed to keep her body at that level. And all the steroid needlework a guy can, this guy's juiced to the gills. You want to talk about pets. He's on every performance enhancement drug known to mankind. And more disturbing are the, are the infant babies that the fetuses that they have in jars that line the back underneath that kind of show where they might be getting the juice from. And the mm-hmm. scientists who has to wear a protective suit to, 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 to mix what they're putting in their body. Gotta be careful. This is, uh, this is Megadon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is Megadon in its finest, but let's 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 not stop at like the weird secret stuff they do behind there. This is the only subsidiary that has its own what's called as magnet. It's the Magadon internal computer network. It's Bob, why is this why is this cool? This is more than cool. It's a legitimate <laughs> business side that tracks what where the projects are going, what the pills are for, who's doing what, who has what. And before you want to write it off as a tool of the weaver and the worm, it's a fully functioning medical information network in its own right. And in the vast majority of the data that passes through it is completely legitimate. It's vital to someone's health. What this magnet does is that it builds a profile. So if you go to the doctor's office and Magadon Pharmaceuticals is part of the doctor's office, very possible, right? They make so much money. It'd be like saying Pfizer, we don't sell Pfizer pills here, and watch watch a clinic go, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, boy, howdy, we do, right? That's that's how that works. Um, you have to understand that there's there's a marketing that goes on with pharmaceutical industry, just like gasoline, just like cigarettes. It's the same deal. We gotta go to all these clinics and doctors who in hospitals that get together and we gotta pitch them the new pill that does stuff and the new pills that's supposed to do things. At least and hopefully they're FDA approved. Hopefully. Hopefully. But, you know, there's depending on what you claim they can do, you can kind of play with those rules, right? <laughs> they have a warning in this chapter that tells you flat out that you would be just shocked to learn how many drugs are out there that we don't even know what they do. And doctors still subscribe them. They, they're they're well, still selling scripts for them. I mean, think about it. Like you, You're going to market a drug based on what it could do right you're gonna say we think mm-hmm. that this will treat or we anticipate that this will affect who's got time for all of those clinical trials and waiting years for the fda to get up and stamp it just try it out doc let us know how it goes <laughs> this pill for heart health has shown a positive test when related to chimpanzees it's going to be great for you 
and and whatnot and etc. Um, can they do that? Oh, they cite a drug in there. You can look up, or you can do an internet search to figure out what drugs are out there that we can get a hold of or be prescribed by your doctor that mm-hmm. we know does one thing. And this is the important thing. When you do this, yes, we know the pill does one thing, but it's all the other stuff that pill also does that you are unaware of, and that includes the side effects. That right? stuff they and say in in, in 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 two times speed at the uh, end of the commercial in a deeper voice, real quick. <laughs> right, side effects may include. <laughs> there's a ton of it and you get what Megadon is it's a yeah. company that in the world of darkness and gameplay is supposed to tell you oh definitely play with this area on what you can put in your body you don't know what it could do and they do that and for your game um, this becomes the because it's the number two subsidiary in Pentex it in size and profit and this is the hardest one to catch because you never know what's going on um, from their projects and what they get into and they're everything medical related now the the trick here, and I kind of want to go into this a little bit, Mike. Um, do you do you know what some of these front facing things that would be uh, what the company is about? Um, I know that they've got like a women's health division. Um, the, obviously, we talked about the sports uh, supplements. Um, I do. They did something neurological. Uh, I, I don't remember at all, not in specific detail. But the, the easy answer is everything, right? <laughs> it is the easy answer, but they get geared in specific and on purpose. It's because there's just not money in everything. It's it's wherever there's going to be money. So we're talking cardiovascular wellness. Everybody has a heart. Dermatology. We all have skin. Gastrointestinal comfort. We all have a stomach. Neurological and psychological treatment. Your dome piece. We have respiratory mm-hmm. wellness. Got to breathe. Vaccines and antibiotics. And after COVID, I don't have to explain vaccine at a step to anybody. <laughs> it depends too, pa- right? <laughs> yes. Planned Parenthood. That part threw me for a loop, but of course it's there. And then you have veterinary operations and treatment. And there's a reason for the veterinary operations and treatment. And I'll, and I'll touch on that uh, here in one second. But of its areas of business, what they seek to do is to create, develop, and extensively test health products for 10 major centers in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. They're manufacturing 68 plants. I mean, they're they're huge. They are huge. They're 70% uh, of, their, of their market share is sold worldwide. It's how they have a position and they help like over 180 million people proven um, with what they do. This makes the company hard to target, mm-hmm. hard to target, because morally, what are you going to do? So let's say for a second, Mike, you're uh, you're running a game and or you're in a game. Your storyteller throws you for a loop, right? You're in your pack. You're coming along and you're at a moot and they're telling you this Magadon facility has to go down because, you know, firsthand. A pack went in there to stop them out, and the pack hasn't been seen since. We know they have them. We know that's where we sent us. We've got to go do something about it. But you know that it's a a heart treatment clinic. You know, it's a cardiovascular clinic, and I don't even know full details on it, but this is where maybe they do heart transplants at, or it's a cardiovascular you know, outpatient clinic, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and mm-hmm. that's where they're at. There are people there who are on a list that need what's there and what is provided, and this is the place they can get a hold of cheaper heart meds because they come directly from the company to their consumers. And, and your pack looked it up and knows this information already. It affects over well over 150,000 people rely on the meds they get here. But it's in the position of this pack to shut them down because one pack of guru went missing. Right. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough. Like if you got more than one red talent on your uh, on your care, <laughs> it might not be too much of a problem. But ethically, morally. 
it it kind of says to the guy rule like, hey, are you are you really the good guys here? Do you really want to really want to disrupt all of these people lives just for a, a pack that, you know, if because uh, if it was a different role, right, if there were a thousand people on a boat and a pack could sacrifice themselves to save all of these innocents, wouldn't they? So, you know, what it does. What it does is it puts you in a very real position to maybe at an arm's reach safer distance look at the the Gaza conflict. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? And the topic would be uh, is there a gray area in war? Oh, well. If, I... if, two, if two sides want to annihilate each other and they're going to go at it, can you force them to play by rules? Because no. you, the observer sitting in the outside, aren't comfortable with what they're doing. No, and, no, you and, can't. And, and we're all watching the same seats. We can't. You can have an opinion. You can have an internet sentence. You can do whatever you want. But if you're not Netanyahu, well, what good are you doing? <laughs> right. That's what yeah. it comes down to. And if and if you're not there, what do you have to say for it? You know what I mean? The farther away you are from the conflict, the more you're just in the cheap seats, and you have nothing to say. That's what I feel this does. Is it puts you in very because yes, Palestinians have issues, and yes, the Israelis definitely have issues. You know, there's both sides of the conflict that have suffered over the years, though. You can't just look at an incident. You gotta look at the whole timeline, not to open that can of worms, but to highlight when you go over there, you need to be specific who you target. Not all of them did the crimes you're going in at them for. But at the same time, if you're going over there and you're establishing we're not getting this never happens to us again. How do you avoid the chance to take out the problem forever? How do you do that? Don't you have a right to make sure that they can't stand and never do that to you again? And the answer is, go back to what I said before. Does war have a gray area? And the answer is, war is black and white. (laughs) I don't care who you are. The winners dictate the rules. The winners do. I often say this. If you want to look back at a worse crime, you can look at about what happened. If What if the Nazis won? How would they view what happened? With the concentration camps and everything, do you think they'd be bringing themselves up on charges? The answer is no. No. The answer is no. We'd all be speaking German. Uh, according to what I've been told by some of my German friends, we'd be ran a lot more efficiently. <laughs> right? Things would be more simplified. And, and that's that. You, you would have your number. You'd enjoy your bowl of ketchup and sausage, and you would shut the fuck up. That's, that's <laughs> what would happen. And uh, you'd just get used to it. Um, that's, that's humorous to me to say, but at the same time, there was no war I've ever read about. Where I could tell you there was no blood on the on the hands of the winner. It's just not possible. And so I see this Magadon versus the Guru the same way. You have to. Is mm-hmm. there going to be collateral damage? The answer is yes. There's no way to look at it. But if your pack went in there and your pack is there to remove the corruption that the worm presents, they're going to have to eat the guilt that comes with that. And then we have but, to understand. Go ahead. But Bob, isn't isn't that thinking what what uh what li- led us to the impergium, and isn't that how the get fell to Hogloth? <laughs> well, since you're going to bring up Werewolf Fifth, let's look at this um, in in a different perspective. One, um, in in W five, that's why guy is dead. Yeah. Okay, that's why okay. guy is dead. This very factor here of that there's a barrier. Because think about it, I could I could throw I could throw tropes here. Wouldn't the child of Gaia be up my ass about wanting to go over there and just smoke the whole area? Because oh, yeah. all the yes, yeah, yes, they they're would. there. They'd be completely up my up one side down the other. But does that mean it's it takes a get to get it done? Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. They're going to make sure it happens. Wait, how about a red talent? Even better. But even the get go, that might be over the line. <laughs> right. The red talents wouldn't be talking. He'd be like, what? Thumb that building. Yeah, we didn't like boom, done. It's over. We'll get him back. <laughs> uh, I don't know if stringing them up by the festooning their entrails around the water pool was exactly the, what we intended. But, you know, it's like sending the, 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 the clean worm after the bad guys at that point. Um, the point is, it's an action that that serves the potential to corrupt the heroes. Mm-hmm. This can yeah. corrupt you by deadening your nerve. That if you don't show the sympathy, and this is insidious, this is something that we role play for. We want this scenario to role play the maturity of beings who have to go dirty their hands and make the tough call. We call this the hard call for a reason and a tough call to make. But if you get there and you figure out that they've forwarded their agenda by capturing the former pack and they're taking out the cells that they believe they've isolated that provide regeneration to them and are using it to help their clients make bigger and better hearts or repair some irreparable heart diseases. Yeah, they're doing it for the right, but you evil sons of bitches, right? You got to do something to you because they're obviously dead. Payback. Mm-hmm. It's called, you need to do it. Tough. Provocative. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How does that story turn out? How do your players feel? How do you feel as an ST delivering that? And if you like it, Magadon's for you. Magadon is a tear-jerking company for that because it's not just, I thought of a lot of scenarios. What about the little bubble boy? Right? Oh, you remember man. that movie a long time ago where the bubble boy, he was born, had no immune system, and mm-hmm. so he had to exist in this environment. He grew in it, and it's so sad. But then he had that one girl, little girl, who grew up with him and fell in love with him, and they dreamed of one day touching. And if they could just wipe all the diseases from her, they could stuff her in a bubble to live with him. But what sort of life is that? Like that tragedy? Magadon comes along with a commercial. Remember their S&M department? <laughs> remember bubble boy? We sure do. But you wouldn't think of him that way now. And you've been watching nothing but uh, but a hot reel of of this pro football player catching the touchdown, right? Right, beating beating the powerlifting goals of before, right? Going out, he's yachting <laughs> with his his hot bride and his beautiful kids out there. Bubble Boy has been taking PCRX. <laughs> now PCRX hasn't been approved by the FDA, but we understand that an immunocompromised disease is not for uh, it's not it's not a way to live life. Life was meant for you. And at Magadon, we can give you life in a jar. That's right. <laughs> Our pill you may have to take once a day for the rest of your life, but this pill has been proven to be non-toxic, non-damaging, only life-enhancing, and it kills a whole bunch of stuff with no visible side effects. However, what we don't tell you in the commercial, we don't tell you about Bubble Boy, is the feeling of separation from his body at odd times. <laughs> we see where this is going. Right, we don't. The other shoe will drop, folks. That's what happens oh, in Magadot. It's, it's never one hundred percent. You're okay. Just look at it this way: the more benefit is given for the product you take from them, the more story is there. Mm. So, what's an easy way for a guru to try to get involved in Magadot Works? Uh, Guinness World Book of Records. <laughs> Who beat the last deadlift? It was like a, a thousand and like a twelve hundred pound, thirteen hundred pounds. It's like yeah, yeah, thirteen hundred and ten. Uh huh. What's his name? Yeah, get a plane ticket. Why? We're just going to go over and have a sniff. (laughs) Inhale deeply in his presence. (laughs) He's either corrupted by the worm or he's good breed stock. Either way, we went out, right? (laughs) Just go find out. Killing a worm one record at a time. I mean, you could do that. 
It's pretty <laughs> hardcore. But but Magadan to its part is is what I like to call the the second hard to spot company hard to get involved with, but it does lead to some pretty decent like how would you see this in a world of darkness? It could be hidden or it could be very overt in the projects that your players are gonna come across. And they even warn against this, right? They tell you flat out, they say, Hey man, just so you know, um your players are gonna wonder how if they make these dynamic pills and products, extending life and doing all these amazing things, how come everyone's not being possessed? They're all tainted by the worm then, aren't they? Technically, question mark. And the answer is, sure, sure. You could say that, except not every pill is bane-induced. Mm. What that means is there is a supernatural splash, we'll say 1% in, in 100% of their product, but that splash gives it its spark. That's what gives it its power. Why it special? Takes a, it takes a special person to earn the extra perks and side effects that only the worm can give. And that person then is found by Magadon and recruited. They're brought in, probably by the sales and marketing team, no doubt. That's <laughs> stellar. Stellar. That's kind of how they work. But this leaves you a lot of leeway to go. So they do a lot of small-scale operations that tend to be easily thwarted. Because, you know, it, like, the, like the scenario where the gas station's found out. Well, now we got a different scenario where someone, Susie, couldn't lift weights all her life, was, was always the slowest, the biggest had trouble with her weight, had trouble with, uh, she always felt she looked bad, blah, blah, blah. Then she took a cream. Now she's unstoppable. Now she's amazing. <laughs> that becomes easy to follow and track, and you can go and fall and do it. But that's kind of the plots they do on the minor league level. But it also opens the door for the swing direction to say, let's talk nerve gas for a second, Mike. <laughs> nerve gas, okay. <laughs> One update I would say they put in this book is where they said, because in, 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 in other worm books, they would get down to like, like there'd be atropine and stuff like that mentioned, and then we get into some nerve stuff and whatever, and it'd be like, cool, werewolves are basically immune. They have, uh, you know, resist toxin, they're good, they can laugh at it, they walk off, no big deal, they're golden. Um, the authors of this book wanted to remind the world of what nerve gas is, and it is <laughs> not uh, a kitty cocktail. Yeah, it's not something that uh, that you could simply walk away from. This is like uh, this is body destroying chemical that you have to be in a special suit or a bunker to avoid being killed by. This is uh, the the world changing biological warfare division that every country is afraid of. And in this book, it says, Mike, no less. Twenty four dice of aggravated damage is yeah. rolled at your werewolf player. They get to roll their stamina. And sure, yeah. they could be in Kronos. It and counts. they can get half of their rage added in, you know, at a difficulty of go, you know, fuck off and die. And and how that's <laughs> going to work is, go ahead and roll your dice. Do you feel better? Now, we <laughs> rolled 24 dice. You rolled your dice. And every round, you're going to take one egg. And every health level takes away one attribute. Oh. Just. I mean, you know, that's. The, the the trenches in what was it World War One where they had the uh, the creeping clouds of yellow toxin that would not only melt your lungs but your flesh if you stayed out there that that, that sounds like fruitful research for Magadon right <laughs> but now but now it sounds like that's real like you can even be the hardest werewolf player and you go wait a second there's what down there nerve gas ooh hmm um, new new plan <laughs> you got to sack up you said you're the best of the baddest right get Right, Bob the Get? Uh, sure did, but can I can I get a suit? Uh, he don't need a suit, was he? 
<laughs> Seca Fenris protects, right, bro? Like, you know, and you're looking at the start. You're looking at the. Uh, actually, you'd be looking at everybody. I don't care what tribe they're in. <laughs> Somebody, you want to lend me uh, something? You know, so the glass walkers are like, yeah, we could, we could help you out. Just <laughs> nothing puts a pause in a hammer wielding. I have Mjolnir. Do you? Well, Mjolnir will be all right. You won't. So, um, but why would Megadon get involved in that uh, Pentex? And here's the thing that I like about it: Megadon doesn't care. Why would I say that? I want you to think of the upper echelons of Meganon just like the upper echelons of Enron. And there's two differences in the companies. Um, Meganon has a company. They hire the right people is what, I gotta, what I'm going to say about yeah, this. The, the right stuff. Yes. <laughs> the right people. These people, um, like the two founders were bought out. One mm-hmm. was, was a guy named Davies who said, F them. I'm going to fight Pentex and what it stands for. And they run off to be like a shining hope. A, gr- a glim one. I'm being I'm being sarcastic. A, a slight <laughs> hope for players to get like maybe someone who will pull them out there in the weeds too deep. But this guy's on the sauce. He took the juice, right? That Megadon makes, and you're already like, mm, he's done. And that's <laughs> what it is. But they don't they don't finish that story. That's for you to do. And that's how that goes. On the other end, their other guy who works for Megadon took a bullet through both lungs. Was in the hospital from a year and a half from his partner, and he's <laughs> still around. Somehow they have this they have this badass <laughs> chemical that they made. It's not all modern stuff. And then you throw a bane in occasionally. They made a chemical called Anagath F45.6. To the rest of Pentex, this 45.6 is one of Meganon's miracle drugs. What it does is it retards the aging process by an approximate factor of 10, granting the regular user a vastly extended lifespan. Several Pentex board members are known to be on it. It's an acceptable staple of the upper echelon health plans, having been around since Megadon was still Megadon. And the late 40s is when they uh, started throwing it in. But by now, no one really thinks about it. They just, whatever. These guys right. are just uh, that age because whatever. Just in your medicine but if, the, but if the truth ever got out, Megadon's gerontology, um, gee, I said that right, gerontology division would be decimated by first teams within a week. Because the Anagath isn't a Megadon product. The company just repackaged and distributed with, within the Pentex corporate structure. Its product, excuse me, it's produced by a subsidiary that was one of Meganon Limited's first business partners. And it's this place called Impesi Gerontological Research. Meganon's been trying to analyze it since they took it over. However, the chemical cocktail that makes up this drug is too complex to be broken down completely. I don't really know how it does what it does. But it appears to contain trace elements of several supernatural substances that can't be reproduced in a lab at all. <laughs> it's it's something the Giovanni family of, has been covertly backing, and, and <laughs> Pentex occasional associates do as well. Uh, as a known fact for everyone in here, it was formerly the pet project of the late Enzo Giovanni, who sat oh, the Pentex board of directors. Oh, right? No. <laughs> However, F forty five point six contains vampire blood at a very thin dilution. Mixed with a few dozen substances of varying effect. It's not enough to create full-fledged servers or instill the chemical brainwashing that, uh, well, blood bonding would do. However, it does extend the subject's lifespan and makes them more susceptible to the post-hypnotic suggestion methods that vampires most commonly use, which is a win in the Giovanni clan book, right? Um, however, since Senzo and his offspring were wiped out, they have been uh, without a steady supply of it. Someone's managed to keep it going. That's what's uh, that's what's cool about this. And Anagath is sort of there. 
not only that, they have frozen reserves of the stuff to be kept around as well. And There's so the original you this, batches. <laughs> you have this super drug bouncing around, and that's just that's just one of them. But what I love the best about it is that it's eighty thousand a year or higher brackets that can afford this. It's yeah. only available to them. Nobody else making banana is ever going to see it. And that's yeah. one of the little bombs they have in here for it. Now, I mostly verbatim read that drug because there's no note taking or a cool way to put that up because out of the book, it reads sexy. <laughs> it's sexy enough. That was loaded with like, here's a here's a wing to the past and here's a name drop and here's a vampire for you and boom, welcome world of darkness. And you're like, I know it. You heard that listening. You were like, ooh, wait a second. Bring this into players. Could we be using this as a vampire game? Uh-huh. Yes. This says <laughs> the title of this is Subsidiaries Guide to Pentex. Pentex does not avoid vampires, vampire games, or mage games. or It's the world of darkness it's in, baby. And, and werewolves do not own having to run into it alone. But it has echoes of what can reach and jump out to other games. I, I always love Easter eggs like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But it's enough about Megadon, other than um, I mentioned one executive here. I didn't mention Enron at all. I should mention Enron's uniqueness. This is something you can miss reading this book because they don't get into it. In the past, you would read that here's the board of directors in Pentex. Here's how evil they are. Here's the powers they're affected with. Here's a splat. You don't get that here. This book makes you read. Now, I'm always a fan of more reading. (laughs) <laughs> right, I like reading because, well, I love my stats, too. Don't get me wrong. I love my stats. It's quick. It's easy. It's best for a storyteller sometimes. But it's great that they threw this in here because it means I have to go back and read and reference and catch the stuff I missed last time. And I enjoy that a lot, actually, when I do, because it makes you feel like you're uncovering the mysteries, right? Or really, your brain just trying to pick up a cool gem. And this cool gem I caught this time around, because I've read this book about three times before, is the fact that. They mentioned what keeps the Enron employees together at the top. Mm, and I yeah. love it. I love it. It's a unique spirit is what it is. Well, they don't say it's a spirit. They don't say it's not a spirit. They just refer to it as spirit so you can make of it what you will. What came first? Pentex or this entity? And we will never know. <laughs> it's not clear. It's, it's not clear. They wrote it beautifully. It's excellent. Beautifully. <laughs> Because imagine a board of directors who are like, cool, we're part of this company. We're all go-getters. We all are susceptible to wanting to move up the corporate ladder. We're called, you know, we're called ty- uh, Turks, right? Aggressive Turks looking to, to make a name for ourselves in our life. We got business degrees. We're super intelligent. So we believe. And then along comes this force. But it doesn't come as in like a weird message on your phone. Um, what it does is it directly calls you, links you in conference. And it talks to you by voice only. But it's on something you believe is real. And mm. as it talks to you, it starts mentioning what troubles you're having um, and interviews you as normal, lets you know that you're on their team. You're the type of person they need. You're the one that they're looking at moving up and you should. And there are key things that you need to be doing. But it needs your okay. It needs you to say, yeah, you're ready for it. And if you say yes, the world's golden. Doesn't tell you why it's golden, just it would be. You say no, and this ends the call. Now, it won't tell you that you'll have one of their many 9mm Pentex first team um, retirement packages <laughs> that'll be applied to you if you say no. But what they do is they give you an option. They just don't tell you what the consequence is. So, But when you say yes, tragically, one of, one of the board on high in Enron 
will meet a retirement. They don't necessarily die, but that's about the life expectancy of everybody on the board. It's an odd cycle. Every 30 years of them Mm -hmm. serving, somebody gets cycled out and they bring in new blood. And the people that cycle out with no longer having this they, whatever it is, being a part of their life, they lack purpose, dwindle and die. They're just done. And I read that and that freaked me the fuck out because I sat there and I went, what what could it be? What would it be? What who wouldn't make the deal? I enjoy doing that. I like putting myself in the shoes of going, well, if I were this guy and I was suddenly called and someone said, hey. Doing pretty good there in the company. I just want you to know, we noticed what you got going on. I want to offer you something. It's an extensive package. It's a definite upgrade. You've been here a while. You're a straight shooter. Be great for you and your family, but uh, I don't want to stress you out. It's going to require more travel, a little more time in your life, and it's it's going to put you more to be doing what's best for the company, less than just working a job for the company. Bob, is this something for you? And I'm like, well, well yeah, I could see myself. Yeah. I mean, I could see anybody going, absolutely. But what of a jump are we talking? It goes, Bob. If, if if we're calling you, it's not to make it another, uh, uh, what is it, six-figure job offer. <laughs> right? I don't do that. We'll, we'll leave that to a board of a different level with, uh, what do they call that, uh, human services, that they'll sit you down and they'll talk to you, like human resources. That's the department that we don't care about. Um, what we're talking to you about directly for is because we're offering you a seat at the table. And if you're at the table, Bob, you make a, we, we talk assets. You're making your residuals will be making that six figure salary if you want it that way. You can you can give your kid a six figure allowance if that's what you really want. <laughs> See, is that what bastard. you need? Would that make you happy? <laughs> right. Like whatever you need. But just tell us, Bob, we want to give you and they would know magically exactly what I need in the real world to make me happy. And that's how sweet the deal is. Take it or don't. But once I took it, instantly my thoughts are of the company. I'm accepting it. I'm now thinking about everything. I, I, you walk into a boardroom. No one's arguing. We know what the agenda is. Imagine everybody's dressed in a nice suit, representing their department. You sit down. And as they said, nobody in Enron at the upper echelons wears anything but a nice gray or blue suit with a red tie. Perfectly right? conservative. They, they all look perfect. <laughs> they come in and sit down. And then they run through the reports. And the reports are all the same thing. They're all saying the same thing. They all agree on the same thing. They want done what the company needs done, and that's what's getting done, and that's what gets done. And I was like, "Oh man, I really feel that's what happens." You, you, so, and that's the the really really unsettling part about air quotes Tim is that it just says, you know, that career you went to college for. You worked so hard to do all these things. You finally landed that good job at Enron and you've been really putting in the work. And we've seen your example that we want you to come here and take a step up. And then it's not like they ask you to do anything soul crushing, at least not at first. Right. They don't ask you to compromise your morals. They just ask you to take care of the company. And you do that for 30 years and then you get to retire. And. As reading the chapter, it's like, is that what we're doing in real life? <laughs> is this is this art imitating life right now? <laughs> Are they trying to tell me that I should be concerned if all I really want is a consistent job that takes care of me? <laughs> the aspect of like <laughs> chilling that that got to me. I've sat in 
two company boardrooms before, like sat and listened to the executives kind of do the dance. Mm-hmm. And one of them was, well, of course, Microsoft will talk about that before. The other one was dealing with uh, Nextel back in the day when they existed. Mm-hmm. Both at the same. It was weird to me to be in both meetings. Both talked about the company only. Nobody disagreed with each other. And everybody wanted what the guy in the room who threw the who, who called the meeting for wanted. Always like the biggest title in the room. That's what's getting done because that's what he and I say he for a reason. It was always guys. That's what he wanted done. And everybody was terrified to say otherwise. It didn't matter if they knew that you should go against it because that's that's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. And no ideas, hundred percent. No ideas, ironclad. And I and I've been there where I, I've listened. Like in particular, the uh, the Microsoft forum. He says, "Okay, folks, we can't. I can't be the guy with all the right answers. You know, we have like twelve people are in this room. We got another fifteen watching tell tell in. So what's the deal? Like we got we're down on stuff. Why? And what can we do to fix it? What can we do to make it better? And crickets. And it was like, okay, cool. That's that's interesting how that happens. <laughs> and you know. Someone would say effective leadership or whatever, but what he said simply was, okay, this is something we'll, we'll circle back to and we'll leave it up there. Maybe it's the pressure. So in your own individual areas, blah, 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 mail it in your answers and what could people deal with that then. And then you might get traction. But when he got back to the camp, it was everybody going, ah, he's oh, suddenly people are having a bad day and they're upset. <laughs> and I would sit there and I would watch this. Like everybody was laughing, having a good time until this guy came in and dude, I won't even, this doesn't ruin anything. We were talking about, uh, Xbox Live sales subscriptions, and if they're necessary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? That was like it was like a topic that was laid out there. Like, is that a thing? Should we blah blah blah? And I was like, one, we're not even the Xbox division, but okay, that's interesting. But everybody, whatever reason, it uh, it was in the meeting. I don't know. I was just I just heard a product, but I knew because I knew the product, and I was like, okay, so like you're getting rid of me? Like, it's, I don't understand what you want to do here. Why are you asking? And I thought everybody was the same way. They were like, we're not certain, maybe, what if, what how. And then suddenly, we're talking a shift of that two-hour meeting ended. We all go to lunch. It's all anybody talked about. Mm -hmm. There was this huge meeting of numbers and stuff after, and it was all it was. is like, I'm in Sexbox. You've got to find a way to make sure. I think everybody who gets anything from the company should get an Xbox Live subscription. That'll fix it. Like, where did this come from? Nobody was saying this until... I don't understand. <laughs> I'm hired as a technology teacher and now I'm having to build a curriculum where somehow the guy selling computers in some office somewhere is going to turn around as a business rep and tell me, Bob, how do I link an Xbox subscription to a guy buying a PC for a school district? I was like, yeah, that's a good question. Um, kids would love it. That's about all I could tell you. But I, I kill time like that to go. Then I think of this book and I'm here and I'm like, oh, it's a they. It's a they. They got him. It's a they. They got him. It's real. It's real. They, they's real, and that's that. That's all there is to it. But I'm gonna wind this out other than my little tinfoil hat pointing out. Um, would tell us, Mike. There are more subsidiaries. We're only gonna do three. We only have time for three. But I uh, want to dig on Telus a little bit because I think Telus receives the least attention when I hear the product talked about. I want to dig a little bit. Well, okay, so. Again, we, we we just got off of one of them, right? But the thing for me with Telus that's so insidious is the how much it feels like real life. And then when I realized that this book was written, is, isn't this book from like ninety nine or two thousand? Isn't this book is is revised, right? It's, it's old mm-hmm. anyway. Um, 
Telus' whole thing is behavior modification, right? They want people through the medium of like video game software and hardware to get used to these repetitive activities and to like unconsciously surrender their agency to the company's. Uh, it could be violence. It could be sloth, right? Making people super dependent on their Telus products. I mean, there, you know, there's a money making element to it too, right? Telus has has made acquisitions of Telus of Japan and and uh, Sunburst, and but it it felt like the game was telling me that large parts of the way that I live my life in real life are the result of worm tank. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, book, you're not going to attack me. You're not going to come for me. I won't stand for it. <laughs> but they're, well, they're, they're, they're terrifying in a different way. <laughs> I personally like their video game brands like Fear the Unknown, Death Mist, yeah. The Lords of the Crypt 2. That's, yeah. a, that's a fantastic advert they have in there. Um, but then you get ecological games like A Wolf's Life and The Big Pond. These are <laughs> A wolf's life, yeah, okay. <laughs> I think I think you get it, right? It's it's tell us doing what they do, yeah. Um, but we're a far cry above uh, action builds combat badge here, yeah. We're yeah, we're, yeah. We're jumping forward, but I think what tell us is that they are they leap in the fighting game craze, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? That's one of the ones they said they hit, like um, Street Fighter Two, Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm, they got mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. they got a thing called I think Brawl Devil is that what it is? Sound that sounds about right, yeah. Or correctly. Brawl Devil Giga. That's just the thing doing. Um, another one called Gang Beating. <laughs> but but to you, Mike, uh, was this, this? I really want you to kind of run run with this on this one. Um, what did you see? And this 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 relates here. What's the what's the purpose of in the world of darkness? Um, I, I, I really, I feel, I feel like it's the, the purpose is hypnotism, right? When I, when I say behavior modification, I really feel like Telus is there to get people used to, um, uh, what is the word? It's not subliminal. Um, Desensitization. Yeah. Yeah. To get people receptive of these signals from these products so that mankind will just be Oh, I guess this is this. It'll, it'll normalize things that we never would have considered being normal. Kind of like, um, like everybody was afraid of with the satanic panic in D and D, where they thought that playing that game would just make kids okay with sorcery, even though that was never entirely true. Telus is really doing that thing, except with video games. They want to create these games that alter the way people view the world, both in terms of. You know, mundane things like regular, regular violence and supernatural things like a, a, a wolf's life. <laughs> so desensitization is their game. Or yeah. if uh, we have to break it down better, it's to say using the excitement of video games and the repetition of video games to get you used to the real deal. But I got to ask a question. Do you think that's possible? Like, do you feel that because we play Call of Duty left and right and we're used to running around with all that, that that ever compares to the real thing? Uh, well, number one, no. But number two, I, I think it is more possible for a person who's already been hollowed out. Right? If you have if you already have some stuff going on in life that is like undermining your executive functions, 
or undermining your personal ambition, your your drive to be whatever version of yourself is the best version. Or you've got some influences in your life, some individuals who are who are tearing you down mentally and, and weakening your your mental and spiritual defenses, then you're more susceptible to influence by the things you do repetitively. Okay, well, to answer another question, because I think Telus is, is hearing this, this is off the res a little bit, but I feel it relates. Um, what do you think is more desensitizing? World Star or the UFC? Now, for those who don't know, World Star. Dot com, I believe it's World Star. If I got that mic, right, yeah, yeah, correct yeah. me. If World I'm Star. Wrong. It used to be it, World Star Hip Hop. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It shows you World Star made its whole thing about showing you real life violent scenarios that jump off, catching it in the moment where you live, where you might encounter it, and that it made it made it very real, very gritty, very because of how close it was where they recorded it. It was very uncomfortable seeing it, and these are not professionals. You are watching people who are just violent for violence' sake who don't care about outnumbering opponent, who don't care how bad they're hurting someone. They're just going to hurt them. There's that. And whatever emotions that might bring up for you to see that. And then watching a UFC fight and then loving the sport for its violence, its technique and what people go through rooting for a guy to to or a girl to, to just mess up another guy or a girl, which one is more desensitizing or do you feel they're in the same thing? Oh, they, they are remotely the same to me. They're not even close. Uh, and you can, you can see some pretty brutal stuff um, in watching MMA competitions for various organizations. Um, guys get cut open, arms broken. You know, uh, I remember what happened to Anderson Silva's foot and it still turns my stomach. Uh, mm-hmm. But the stuff that I don't even know if World Star is still around, but the stuff that used to be on World Star back in the day is like faith in humanity crippling stuff. When you see what people are really capable of, or like if you see someone getting jumped in public and instead of trying to break up the fight, people say world star and pull out their phones. It is like, whoa, that's when you, when you play it back in your mind, it is disruptive to, to your peace. <laughs> so what I will say is if you're somebody and you're out there, and unfortunately, it's I even heard about it through gamers and chuckles and whatever. If you're the type of person to comb the internet to watch horrible videos, and you're like a fan of 4chan or WorldStar. Um, what I could tell you is, is that that's, that's why the authors have a Telus section. Mm-hmm. Now, they're mm-hmm. only leaving it to video games. They're not digging any deeper, but they're opening the door to media. And I would say that's what Telus goes for is media. And in fact, to update and make it more modern, I think it's possible to sneak in other things. It may even be the authors were not aware of these other sites that people do whatever to. I think for, I think 4chan got famous because of Shia LaBeouf. Right? They, ruined, they ruined his career. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. ruined his career. And you heard about him and his fame dealing with that. That was a, that was a way to, to run into it. I mean, it was on the news is where I saw this 4chan. No idea about it. Um, but it does the same thing. It allows people to post whatever they want on there to showcase some very real and horrible things. If you're, well, if, you're not, if you don't have a soul. I guess just to say you would you don't want to watch it, but World Star, which I for a while observed because I couldn't believe it. There was there was a feeling of why is this happening and why isn't the aren't these crimes reported? And for a while they had a link to where like yeah this dude was caught that dude was caught, and then they stopped posting that because that was actually I guess a detractor for people to watch their site believing in something else. Now why would they do that? Why did it even occur? And from my understanding is most most likely because police are aware of it. 
watch that stuff that's called evidence and got to go after people. But what does it do to the person watching it? Well, if you're somebody who's never been jumped and you're watching it actually happen for the first time, it desensitizes you to the aspect of somebody getting jumped. It's not, you know, you, you, you lose an empathy here. Now, when you hear that somebody got jumped, you're like, yeah, did they put their teeth in the curb? Make them bite the curb? And you're like, what? Why would I do that? And you're like, oh, I mean, like a movie, American history. That's just a movie. Nah, man, I saw it for real. Some dude cut off another dude for pizza in line and they did that. Oh, it was terrible. It was pretty cool. What we show it to you? That's TELUS. That's mm. what this book is trying to say that TELUS does. It creates video games that mock or are similar to what can go on in real life. And they make people play through it to where they see it. They've seen it. They become informed to it. And once informed, they get used to it happening. They get used to recreating. And then when they see it, they get curious and want to get involved in it. They want to do it, want to replicate it, want to obsess about it, want to run off of the chainsaw and handle some werewolves. That's what TELUS is trying to do. <laughs> and that's its point. And they do it through video games. Is it do or violence, period? Is it is it doable? Well, we just talked about it. There, there's some ways that that can happen. I know attributing to uh, there, there's some articles you can read about mass shooters and why. And they attribute that to, to media of YouTube videos showing guns and how to use them once you get them and what to shoot and what they do to bodies and things like that, of that building a possible scenario in someone's head when they're not on, on, on all cylinders, when they're not with it emotionally or mentally or socially feeling part of society or feeling anti-society. And then they choose to go do what they do. That's the dark part of the subsidiaries book that we always got to remember is that this book is great. Because it's horrible. And it's in the aspect that it says it's the world of darkness. But me and Mike have said multiple times, you're going to find there's more spots in this book that you correlate easily to the real world and understand where the authors are going, where the artists were going. Stay on the side of the artists as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. try to keep it there. Because um, I don't know if it did it for you, Mike. When I, when I read some stuff, I deliberately am not going over the gamer thing <laughs> that's in this book or the collectors of toys. Yep. Yep. We'll they have that. those sections in here and I skip it, especially when they start talking about the convention gamer. Yeah. Yeah. They call them that. goblins. They make them their own unique Fomori, people who go to conventions. And I was like, I could be really offended by this section for people. Like I wanted to be a white knight and be like that, like that's too on the nose and it's too factual. Yeah. Like we're not. I, I didn't get. I didn't, I'm not a goblin. I didn't get Fomori there, but I could see people who had the mentality who would read that and go, "Well, that's kind of dickish." That I had to read that, and get turned off from it. And um, but it's it's meant to do that. It's meant to mock ourselves. Like to me, it's that type of comedy, uh, and also that type of entertainment. However, um, last five minutes here, Mike. Um, is there anything in this book, tell us or otherwise, of a product that you wanted to mention that was a must? Um, not, not deeply. Right. Uh, I'd, I'd say they're all interesting. King breweries for, for one is. My dad spent some time drinking before I was born and I've heard stories. <laughs> uh, I won't go deep into, but it, it would all just be a, a kind of a, a underlining of what you just said, right? There's a lot of stuff in here that is going to feel on the nose, depending on what your experience has been, um, both as a gamer and as a human being. 
in this world that isn't the world of darkness, but is at times dark that we live in. <laughs> uh, and I, I consider that a, a high recommendation um, for the text. That's all. I will say that I thought it was very creative and interesting that to update the the dolls and toys people can get. They got two products real quick. The first one is Nukem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a it's a board. It's it's a card game that you play. Uh, it's made by Avalon, and basically it's 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 a collectible card craze that uh, merges playing cards with a standard board game to create a best selling board game with the to- of Atomic Annihilation. A distraction game for two to six people and taking the role of nuclear capable nations. And a goal is to just blow each other to heaven. <laughs> because this fits this fits Pentec's dream. Right? right. Eventually they'll be decimating the world to remake it in their image at the apocalypse. That's what they want done. They're desensit like you said, desensitizing people, getting them ready for it. Nukem helps that. Then there's Poopy Susie. <laughs> The little baby doll. <laughs> Poopy Susie targets girls younger than the typical CC collector. Poopy Susie is a large, soft baby-sized doll. She's remarkably lifelike, has her own line of clothes, um, but Susie also comes with baby food, diapers, and a bottle. And on uh, recent shipments, they even start ship- shipping batteries. But once these are installed, Susie becomes more lifelike than ever. She cries constantly. A kid never knows whether it's a diaper change, feeding or walking her around for hours is what will soothe the noisy baby doll um, for her eating and crapping are eerily similar to a real baby. Removing the batteries will shut Susie off, but the battery cover is almost impossible for clumsy little fingers to open. The doll cries louder as the child messes with the cover, making it hard to concentrate. The only thing that quiets Susie at first is shaking her vigorously. Shaking the baby as hard as she can quiets it. Eventually, even this won't shut her up. It takes the kid actively flying into a rage and slamming the doll against the floor or into a convenient wall to silence the whales. And then Susie is irreparably broken, and it's time for mom and dad to buy a new one. And mom and dad are almost programmed to buy a new one because of how much time you've spent with the first one. Susie was so effective. Not surprisingly, there are consumer watchdogs begging to have that product removed for the exact reasons we mentioned. You know, you shouldn't have your baby girl walking around holding her baby toy for hours on end with a real baby that's going to poop and she has to clean and she has to feed and she's waking up at hours of the morning. Whoa. Right? right. Um, <laughs> but what's the aim there? It's obvious. You want to get kids to be to abuse early is mm-hmm. what Pentex is trying to do. They want them to be these monsters growing up or have an aversion to child children at all. And, and that helps them in their schemes, right? Only certain people are going to be safe from it. That's what they want done. This harms children's innocence. It does a whole lot to it. Really, I think the Book of the Worm is a calmer, less offensive book than the Subsidiary's Guide to Pentex. And not in the way you think. I think the, the Book of the Worm hits you for real. It was, it was fake fiction, terrible things, horrible things exist here. And this is like, yeah, this stuff is still fake, but but we found more psychological ways and socially unacceptable means uh, to go at to give to players to be able to butcher, I mean, cleanse in the <laughs> name of Gaia and, and bring peace to the realm, as it were. I think this is a solid book. Uh, Mike, what about you? Oh, yeah, this, this is the rare, rare 10 out of 10. No complaints. Would read would read it for the pleasure of reading it. If I wasn't preparing for any games at all. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, everybody. 
And we'll talk to you in the next one. Peace. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.